careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries, and this is the podcast that kicks it old school, having your favorite artist play a vinyl copy of their song and give us the stories behind them. Later in the show, Dennis DeYoung from Styx with the song he says was the launching pad for the group. And I remember when I was listening at the album listening party and I turned to my friend, I said, Tom, if that doesn't do it for us, nothing will. Dennis DeYoung and Come Sail Away later. First up, Canadian prog rock from Clat 2 and their signature song, one that has a little bit of everything, including a Labatt's 50 bottle. Terry Draper of Clat 2 on Behind the Vinyl. John and I wrote this in 1975 and began recording it to... As Klaatu, John, Wallace, Chuck, D. Long, and myself. And uh, as luck would have it, I had a job at Sam the Record Man at Young Dundas during those days. And I had access to quite a record collection. I like to get uh, sound effects records. I still use them extensively. This particular record for the beginning of this forest scene is from an album called An Evening in Sapsucker Woods. And... uh, You'll hear an owl here. Somewhere in there is an owl. It's actually Terry Brown blowing across a a half-consumed bottle of Labatt's 50. You'll know by the tone of it that it's actually a stubby bottle. This is me singing. I sing the intro and the outro. John sings the body of the song, and we trade lines in in the middle. That whole intro that went on there was... um, we were having a problem getting our songs played on the radio. We'd had three or four singles out. And so we decided to have this fellow wander through the forest, come upon a turntable, and play our record. Uh, it was a, l- a little cheeky, I think, but uh, we were idealistic and we had some fun. What's interesting about this recording is the bed track. There was only three of us, and uh, I was on the drums, John played the piano, and Dee played the Mellotron. The Mellotron, still one of my favorite sounds. Uh, Strawberry Fields, Lennon used it, and uh, Bowie's Space Oddity. Lots of bands, the Moody Blues, of course, started it all. But that was the bed track. The bass was added later, along with all the other things. Those horns at the beginning aren't actually horns. They were a Moog Sonic 5 that D programmed. He could make this thing a flute, a trumpet. I could only make it do wee-wee-wah-wah for some reason. I haven't heard this in a while. Those trumpets there is what I'm talking about. Um, I often get asked about the drumming in this song. I'm obviously very much a Ringo aficionado. But there was another influence in those days for me. It was a fellow named Michael Giles from King Crimson. And uh, In the Court of the Crimson King is still one of my all-time favorite songs. And uh, Calling Occupants, I think, smacks of that a little bit. In particular, some of the drum fills. I went out of my way to emulate his style. Here it comes around again. It was interesting, uh, about a year after we, our first album came out, the Carpenters got a hold of it 
and recorded this very song. And I'm much impressed with their version. I really like it. And uh, not only did they do a great job, but it was such a stretch for them. They were really stepping outside of their comfort zone and doing what could possibly be described as prog rock. Although I like to call it progressive pop myself. This is the, the bridge where John and I go back and forth singing. That's me. That's John. And here we go. Oh, what else about this song would you find interesting? It wasn't particularly this song, but some of the other songs on this first album that are reminiscent of the Beatles, and there was actually a rumor started out of Providence, Rhode Island, some newspaper that this was the Beatles reincarnate, which was uh, a very nice compliment. I mean, to say that we sound like the Beatles is a very high compliment. To say that we are in fact them is that compliment a hundredfold. So we were uh, very impressed with that. It was very nice. But we're not the Beatles. This is me singing again here. We're getting ready to go to the outro. And that's where some of these Michael Giles-esque drum fills come in. But I wanted to talk about the artwork. Ted Jones did most of our album covers, and they're quite elaborate. And uh, we decided early on that we wouldn't put our pictures or our names on the records. We wanted the music to speak for itself and uh, take away from the, the individuals. The three of us are not necessarily that interesting nor that handsome. So we wanted to focus on the music. So we knew we needed special artwork and uh, Ted delivered the goods. The sun, the giver of all life with the Mona Lisa face and the receiver is the little mouse. The mouse became a mascot uh, of ours. He appears on all our record covers and uh, he's been a faithful friend these 40 odd years. It was a long time ago. I'm trying to think of something else interesting to tell you about. Hmm. This album was recorded at Toronto Sound. Terry Brown uh, produced it with us. And uh, Rush was in the same building at the same time doing uh, Fly By Night and 2112. Very nice fellows. Uh, we had a great time when they were around. Max Webster was in the studio all at the same time. Just over here in Thorncliffe Park. It uh, was a, a great time back in the day. Is this going to fade out soon? <laughs> That's one of my favorite drum fills, that one, with the We Are Your Friends at the end. Yeah. It still holds water to this day. Calling occupants of Interplanetary Craft and Plateau on Behind the Vinyl, our thanks to Terry Draper. Sticks' as Dennis DeYoung sails away in just a few minutes, but before that, one of my favorite people in the industry, Ian Thomas. His first single as a solo artist was 1973's Painted Ladies, a song he says was born out of culture shock. 
Here's Ian on Behind the Vinyl. Wow. Painted Ladies, uh, 1973. Uh, Okay, so here was a song that came out of sort of my life, really, at that time. So here I was, the son of a former Baptist minister, now a university professor, philosophy professor. So I had lived a pretty sheltered life in the world of academe, and... um, all of a sudden, I was in a band playing just the hell holes of Ontario, sharing dressing rooms with strippers, which some of them were turning tricks on the side, so it wasn't all bad. Uh, but it was culture shock. Um, and when you're stuck in some dumpy hotel uh, in the middle of nowhere, playing really questionable social experience uh, you miss home like the Dickens so lyrically the song sort of came out of came out of that you know I'd wake up in the morning you know one of the strippers would be coming out of her room and you'd be heading down for breakfast together and uh, so it was a real uh, uh, It was a real culture shock for me. Now the actual song, nothing but really fond memories. We recorded that at RCA Studios on Mutual Street uh, in Toronto. I think it's been torn down now because we needed another parking lot. eh? And uh, so we did it on night sessions because I had two kids by by the time uh, I signed my album deal with GRT. And I was working at CBC as a producer, so at nights I went to RCA to record. And uh, the clavinet part did not appear until the recording sessions. I had written the song in my basement. They had these old TC630s, they were called. It was a sound-on-sound Sony tape recorder. So I could stack up harmonies and guitar parts. So I had the whole song together, with the exception of uh, bass and drums, and, uh, and the uh, clavinet was an idea of uh, John Lombardo's, who was uh, the producer for me on that. I didn't want to produce my own stuff, and uh, at that point anyway. And John Capek, a wonderful writer who ends, ended up he wrote uh, Rhythm of My Heart with Mark Jordan uh, and a number of other uh, great songs for other artists. Uh, John played the clavinet on uh, Painted Ladies. So, uh, and, and then I stacked up all the harmonies just like I did at home on my TC630. And then that song, I just watched it sail up the charts. I often wondered why the song didn't go farther than number 27 or 26 in Billboard. And then I read the book Hitman, and I realized $250,000 had to change hands to break the top 20. And, uh, and then that was just such a revelation to me that I just thought, oh, man, what a rotten business this is. Because we were top 10 in, in so many major cities. 
and I couldn't understand how we could be top 10 in all those cities and, ta- and just number 27 in Billboard. It made no sense. That's the nature of music business. Some days you have to uh, pave the road ahead with greenbacks. Ian Thomas and Painted Ladies on Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries, and next up, Dennis DeYoung and Sticks Come Sail Away. Dennis says, this song was all about the yearning to be anywhere but snowbound Chicago. We had just played the Crater Festival in Hawaii, and it was just, for a kid who grew up on the south side of the city of Chicago in a two-flat, to be standing in the crater on, you know, uh, in Waikiki, and looking at the beauty of Hawaii, it was really a life-changing experience. So I came back to Chicago where I live, and as you, as you people in Toronto know, it snows in Chicago, and it was like one of the worst winters ever, and I'm sitting in my, my living room where the piano was, and I'm looking out, it's like six feet of snow, and I start thinking about Jesus wanting to escape, and the yearning to be in a better or different place than where you were. Sticks had not yet become the success that they were going to be. We had had success up here in Canada because Canadians are just flat smarter, that's all. Equinox and Crystal Ball had been big hits both here in Ontario and in Quebec and throughout Canada. But in the States, we were still essentially the band that that did Lady. So I remember standing backstage many times supporting the likes of every 70s band you can from Kiss, Aerosmith, ZZ Top, you name it, everybody. We were the, like the bridesmaid, never the bride. And there the guy singing, but we missed out on the pot of gold, the perfect timing. John and I, the drummer, would stand backstage and look at all the equipment the big guys had, like Kiss and all the other bands, Bob Seger and everybody was, and think, will we ever have this? Will we ever be the guys out there? This song really is about, about that idea, about the yearning to sail away to a better place, whether it's in your living room and there's 10 feet of snow, wanting to be in Hawaii. But for me personally, it was about fulfilling the quest that we'd begun as kids. Because at 14 years old and the Panazas were 12, we formed the band in my basement. And the dream of becoming the Beatles was first and foremost in our minds and we thought after all this time it wasn't going to be going to happen this was our seventh album which was released by the way on 7777 isn't that cool and there's seven songs so because of that i hate the number seven no i just gave it so it's a song about yearning whether it's angels taking you away or space aliens as it comes up at the second half of the song but it is the quintessential stick song in that it has the kind of melodic pop ballad that turns into this straight-ahead rocker that has this artsy-fartsy, ethereal, proggy rock thing going for it, like to say pseudo-prog rock, because we were never really a prog rock band. But we just stole from every musical style and made it our own. So, I wrote the song. But the arrangement really was like so many things in, in Sticks were a collective effort by all the members in the band. Um, and this part right here, this was me imitating, thinking about Pete Tons, Townsend and Won't Get Fooled Again. Can you imagine it? Yeah. So I'm ripping off Townsend, but don't tell him, he's got enough money. 
Um, and of course, then there's the harmonies and, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and the, uh, the over-top, over-the-top pompousness of it all. God bless it. You know what I mean? If you want to be a little and small, fine with you. This is big stuff to me. Big heart on the sleeve emotions, big music, dynamic. Um, and that hook, you know, come sail away with me. So, um, yeah, it's a catchy tune. Seems to have caught on. So, night after night, I see people, when I play it, lock arms, and, um, and, and sing this in such a heartfelt way that I think to myself, geez, I wish I had 10 more just like it. You know, because once in a while you'll get things right. This happens to be, this is one of them for sure. And I remember when I was listening at the, at the album listening party and I turned to my friend, I said, Tom, if that doesn't do it for us, nothing will. Dennis DeYoung with Sticks and Come Sail Away on Behind the Vinyl. And that's going to wrap up this edition. You can hear more of your favorite Behind the Vinyl episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'm Stu Jeffries. So long. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.